How are you? Good. You have a bunch of my friends in this movie. No, are you serious? As a heart attack. <laughs> no, really? Okay, you ready? Lou Martini right. Jr. Oh, yeah, of course. Lou is the greatest. Yep. Angelica Page. Angelica Page? Yes. Oh, and, my God. and Tony Lobianco. Oh, my God, you're going to give me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good heart attack, not a bad heart attack. A good one. So, are wait. Are we already taping or shoot? Is this pre tape right now? Oh, no, no, no. We, 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 we've started. The second you you called me, I, I, I pressed record. On the record, whatever I say could be used against me in a court of law. Exactly. So anything bad you say about Lou, I'm going to use immediately. No, are you kidding? I love Lou to death. He's the greatest actor in the world. Lou, you heard that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me, sure. tell me about this cast. First of all, how did you get Eric Roberts? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, you know, Eric does a lot of independent films. So he's very popular in the indie circles. He loves to work. And, you know, he makes himself affordable. And I got him because of Donna McKenna. She's my casting director. And Lou Martini is also friends with Donna. I mean, everybody who works in Brooklyn on an independent movie has to work through Donna McKenna. She is the casting director of the entire, like, five-borough area, minimum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. So she got me Eric. I don't know how she did it. I mean, she's you know has a relationship with him from other movies, and I was really happy that she got him for me. He's, he's fantastic. He's phenomenal. So she got me all those people. However, she did not get me the wonderful and talented Angelica Page. <laughs> That's a different story. Okay. Yeah, just to let you know. Okay, so. so how did you get Angelica? We know Angelica, my husband and I, yeah, for years. I went to school with her brother, uh, Tony Torn, and I knew her father, Rip Torn, and I grew up with them in the 70s, so I was involved in all that craziness, you know? And um, Angelica was hot, and I was hot for her at that time, although nobody knew it because I was very shy. And um, Angelica and I kept in touch, and I used to go see her shows, and she's a fantastic actress. She does these plays and shows, Actors Studio and all this stuff, and gets these rave reviews, and I just adore her. She's just fantastic. So, of course, she agreed to be in my movie. And you know what? She did it for the same price as any actor would do. Like, she didn't charge me up the wazoo at all. She's my friend. You know what I mean? So yes. She was great. Fantastic. Does Angelica know that you uh, held a torch for her all these years? <laughs> Uh, I mean, not really, no. <laughs> well, she'll know now. <laughs> she had a boyfriend. Like, she was always with a guy. I mean, you don't go after those kind of women. You know what I mean? They'll burn you. Like, if I told her I had a crush on her, forget it. I probably wouldn't have got her in the movie. Well, because I'm thinking, you know, I, I saw that um, you started this film in a Kickstarter program. I know how hard it is to raise money. Um, I think you went through, yeah, you went through the film festival circuit in 2016. Am I right? That's right. Yes, yes. Well, we only got it. We, you know, you know how this business is. You, you, you enter Tribeca. You enter Sundance. You don't even know if they watch their, if they watch your movie. And then, like, you don't get in, and then you're suppressed, and then you get in some other festivals, and then I was, like, not even in competition, and I won some audience award, and next thing you know, IMDb is saying my movie's released. <laughs> all kinds of weird stuff goes on that nobody knows about, you know. So the movie was never released. No, of course not. No, okay. Who released it? Where? When? <laughs> I'm in the editor room. Who released it to what? To who? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. So now... 
so now three years went by and, and, and tell me the you know, the period how it finally got to get yeah. greenlit. All right. So first of all we had our great screening at Soho International Film Festival. We won the audience award. The theater was packed, it was huge, right? But the movie wasn't done, we were still testing it, so I said, Please don't put us in competition. They said, Okay, we won't put you in competition, you'll be out of competition. We get this audience award. Then, um, you know, I guess the audience liked it, whatever. And then um, I wasn't done with the movie, and we didn't have a distributor, and then we found this wonderful guy, Jared Safier, with um, Safier Entertainment. It's like a company out in um, California. And he took on the film, like, as a rep, and then he found us our distributor, Factory Films, and that sort of happened. But it took three years to get that to happen. Yeah. You know, it's not like yesterday. It's like we had to, you know, first of all, I had to clean up the movie, recut, do a lot of screen tests. We, we even were testing the movie after we screened it at the Soho Festival. We had to cut scenes, add scenes, put music, take out, go through like a year of like quality control. When you're doing a low-budget movie, all this stuff goes very slowly. You know, it's not like you have an army of people working. You just have a couple people helping out. So it goes really slow. So that's why we've got our release now. You know, mm, what I mean? like it, yeah. you know, I started shooting. I started working on movies 15 years ago. So the actors were aging <laughs> during the filming process. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So what was the was the biggest amount of money you spent on the budget? Would you say it was getting those cars? No, not at all. We have this guy Tom Nico, who's like my ground man for locations in Brooklyn and Queens, and. He got these guys for between fifty and one hundred and twenty-five dollars a day per car. So that's not where the money went. No way. Wow. So there's like a place where you go that that you say, okay, give me seventies cars, and they're no, no, not at all. I mean, they have picture cars. If you go through them, it's like five hundred dollars and up a day, like per car. Like it's a real company. But we, Tom Nico, was on, you know, out there going to the car shows and meeting people and talking to people and. We would find an old car in the street and put a sign on it, please, please, we want to put you in the movie. Like, I needed cars to run down the whole block, and we're doing a low-budget movie. I need 70s cars to go as far as your eye can see, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to look fake or like a cheap movie. So, of course, you know, we found people that owned cars that were junk. Sometimes we had them towed in. They couldn't even move these cars. We got them out of a junkyard, and we dressed them up like they're working. You do all kinds of crazy stuff as long as it looks good on camera. You know? Right. So the cars that actually did did run were there problems even with those? Did they break down? Absolutely. Are you kidding? <laughs> My lead car, a nightmare. I mean, it's so funny, Robin. You bring this up because it's almost like you know what's coming. I, I got this thunder. I decided I want to use this Thunderbird. It's in the movie. It's this beautiful old Thunderbird, and it, of course, it was like a friend of a friend's car. Very nice guy. He gave us the car really cheap, and I said, "Don't worry. I'll take really great car to the care of the car." Here's some money for the car. I'm going to give you a bunch of money. If anything goes wrong with this car, I will pay for it. I'll pay for the repairs because it was, for me, it was worth it. It was like a great car. I got the car. It turned out I haven't been driven in a couple of years. I've been sitting in its backyard. As soon as we started the engine, the thing caught on fire. Oh, no. Like, I had to get the carburetor repaired. I had people working at nighttime fixing things, you know, tires. You know, the, the shifter would get stuck. At the end of these shoots, I would often be pushing cars over bridges. Like, literally, literally, like cars pushing them after the shoot. Like, who's, you know, the crew goes home. Who's left to clean up? Whoever it, you know, whoever it is that's left on the set. I would be pushing a 3,000-pound car over the Venice Road Bridge. I kid you not, I have proof. Oh, that's so great. It's insanity. It's insanity. So, yeah, when you're doing a low-budget movie, you have to kiss ass. you got to do a lot of favors. 
and you have to rely on good karma and good reputation. So did Tony feed the cast and crew? Because we know he's such a great cook. That Tony Lobianco? Yes. Well, what about Tony? Talk to me about Tony. You didn't know that Tony is like a master chef and like has no, a restaurant I, 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 and... I, no, freaking... No, I'm not a brought me Tony. I just knew he was like in those movies in the 60s. You know, like he was a big star back then. So I was happy to have him, but I didn't know him from anything. You know, when, when these actors show up, it's not like they, they hang out with you and they work with you and they rehearse. They just show up on a set, you know, with a script. And they're just they're there to work. And sometimes they listen to you and sometimes they don't. It really depends on if they respect you or not. If they don't respect you, they'll take over. They'll run the show. They'll run your own movie because they know what they look like. They know, how, they know how they have to look on camera. And for them, it's like they're going to make sure that they look good and, and even if it means not listening to the director, you know what I mean? So did you come across this, Ari? Were they not listening yeah. to you? No, no, no. Of course, Eric Roberts, right, and Tony Lopianco, these are big stars who have been around for, for, for a long time. They know their shit. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I will ask them politely if they'll do what I want, but I'm not Steven Spielberg, right? So I can't tell them what to do, and plus they're giving me a break to be in my movie, so I'm thankful. But they did what I wanted. I mean, not exactly. But they did what I wanted, and they did a great job, and they, they should be proud of the work. I mean, you know, they did good work. Let's just put it that way. So, I mean, they make me look good. I make them look good. Everybody goes home happy. I cannot tell you how fantastic Eric looks. I mean, he he's doing something. He's taking, like, like a special pill. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you something. I don't know how much people know about Eric. But Eric, okay, he's fun on the set. He loves to play around or screw around, and I didn't know him. So he is just loving to screw around on the set like he's just being silly, you know, because obviously the set is like his medium, is like where he lives. And I'm stressed out. I'm trying to do a shoot. I've only got a couple hours to get this scene. i got a million extras. You know, we're in the prison. What, you know, all this stuff going on. And he's just having a great time. And then, like, the funny thing was, he's, like, having such a great time goofing off playing. I figured out that he was testing me. Because, like, he saw I was nervous. He saw he, I wanted to be calm, right? But, like, the funny thing was, when I put the camera on, that's the only time he behaved. So as soon as the camera went on, he was in character, in the moment, doing exactly what he should do. When the camera rolled cut, he was back to that dang guy. Do you remember Jerry Lewis? I mean, have you ever seen Jerry Lewis stuff? Of like, course. Oh, yeah. He's a comic genius. He's funny, but he's, like, he can be mean, too, you know? And, and he's a comic genius. Jerry Lewis always used to screw around. I think that Eric Roberts is a little bit like Jerry Lewis, but, like, not mean. He's a funny Jerry Lewis, like, not a sardonic, mean way. But he's really a lot of fun. And now, if I ever work with him again, I know this, so I don't have to worry, because I know when the camera turns on, he's on point. Like, he's doing his job. You have a right to screw around on somebody's set if you know what you're doing. If he was screwing around and doing a really bad job in my movie, that would have been a problem. So what? Was he doing, like, was he doing, like, stand-up? Like, what? No, no. He, he can make his voice into different instruments. So he was trumpeting, and he was making different instruments while we were setting up, and he was like almost like a one-man orchestra. I can't quite explain it because, of course, the cameras were off, so we didn't capture any of that. But it was really phenomenal because everyone was very captivated by him, and he's just, you know, you're working with someone that has so much experience, and he's such a natural. He can improv his way out of anything, you know what I mean? Like, you put the 
camera on him. The camera loves him. You know what I mean? That's, that's a movie star. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree. Now, people, other people who were in this film were not movie stars. Like, but who's Stanley Taub? Is that your brother? No, that's my father. Oh, your dad. <laughs> I, have to put my, no, I have to put my dad in a cameo in every film I do. It's something I've been doing as a tradition since the 70s, you know. My dad was a filmmaker in the 50s, but he became a plastic surgeon. And he is the whole motivation behind my crazy career. Because as a kid, I was playing around with film as a three-year-old when he was making films in the 60s. We just had a screening of his old movies at the Slipper Room last week. You should have come. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be screening again the same stuff. But he was a fantastic, you know, filmmaker of his own right before there were independent filmmakers, you know. So I'm re-releasing his movies uh, this year because people are, you know, paying attention. And he's made some terrific stuff. Give me some of the titles of his uh, of some of his more more popular films. Well, I mean, no one's seen most of them, so here we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, you know, you make a film in those days that you, you project it, right, on a, on a projector. Who goes to watch a 16-millimeter projection of a film that's silent? I took all these films and remastered them for him. I, I transferred them to HD recently, redid the music score, added voices. Now, I even had him come back. He's like 70, he's like 86. I had him play himself, okay, in these movies right now. As he, as he was 23 years old, so I take his voice now, I play him in these old movies, and it's, it's hilarious. So I've got him playing himself as a young cowboy or a doctor or whatever it is in these crazy movies. And the titles were The Great Railway Express Robbery, Cape Cod Piece, um, Bash Fish Falls, Children at Play, and Not as a Strangler. And he made one crazy movie in the 60s called F. And the entire movie was shot in Cape Cod in Provincetown with all these crazy friends of his, artists. And the movie, he dubbed it into Italian in the 60s. And it's the most hilarious thing you can imagine, watching a bunch of actors dubbed in Italian. It's, it's just hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to give you my email when, before we get off so you can let me know about the next time you I'll do this. I'll send you all his links so you can verify that I'm not nuts and making this shit up. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, that's a, that's not. cool. Coming full circle on IMDb, the credit said Alex, who got cut from the movie. Did you put that yeah. in? You put that in. Oh, my God. Of course I did. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know how many actors... No, I mean, this is a horrible thing. You know how many actors I, had, I cut from my movie? You don't know how many friends I've lost because of making this movie. Think about <laughs> this, right? I made a movie over 15 years. If I had the director's cut, it's three hours long, right? So I had to naturally make this commercial. I couldn't make it too long. I had to cut it down to, like, the regular length of a movie, you know, regular feature, not like a Hollywood feature. So I cut so many scenes and so many actors. There was a character called Alex, and he's a great character. He's hanging out with Jack and Gino in the whole movie, and he's like a subplot. I had to remove the entire subplot, cut the whole character out, and then and he didn't find out till like before the screening. Thank God he's like got thick skin. And he doesn't he's not like an ego, and he didn't get upset and try to kill me because he worked really hard, like everybody, on, in his scenes, and they got cut not because of me. But because, you know, we're testing it, and people say, oh, well, what's that guy doing in the movie? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's not about him. Why do you have these scenes with this guy, Alex? So, of course, the only thing I could do for this kid was to make sure that in the credits, I credit him as the kid that got cut from the movie. He's like the Kevin Costner of your movie. Exactly. <laughs> Sandra Bernhardt, she's a fantastic actress. They're trying to promote her on my on my movie. I'm like, don't promote Sandra because she's only got a kid. 
cameo. She's on screen for like two minutes. Don't do that, guys. Like, you're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're promoting her because they're like, oh, Santa Bird's on the movie. That's how we're going to sell. No, no, guys, don't understand. She has a small part. I mean, this is not like I cast her as a lead. And for Sandra, she was only on the set for two days. I didn't have time to really get into a character. She played the landlady. I mean, what the hell? Who wants that on their reel? So, I mean, I feel bad because, like, there's so much misrepresentation out there because no one really cares at the end of the day what the director wants. At the end of the day, they're just trying to make money. They put a poster on it and they sell it, you know? Right, right. So now you've got a, is it true that you're doing a film next called The Odds? Is that happening? That's on my page. But, you know, the thing is, these things take so long, right? So yeah. I spent a decade to make The Fallen, which was my last real movie, a war film in Italy during World War II in, uh, from three different points of view in three languages, right? This took me a decade to make that, right? And then it's taken me 15 years to make this. So, of course, the odds, gee, I might be done when I'm 67 or <laughs> like, do I want to do this for another 15? I hope that it's not going to... Listen, if it's going to take me 10 or 15 years to make the next movie, I am going fishing. Like, I'm just going to go fishing. Like, I really don't need this. Really? Not worth it. Come on, Robin. Come on. I've done enough already. You know that if you watch my movie and you pay $15 for it, that's a dollar a year of my work. I think it's worth it for 15 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for me, it's worth it. But other people might watch it and they don't know what I did and they think it's a Hollywood comedy and they're going to rip it to shreds because they have an expectation. They think this is like lock, stock, and two smoking barrels and we got $10 million. No, this is like a $250,000 shoestring budget. This is a no-budget movie and we're going, we're shooting for the stars, you know, with the stars. There you go. I, I had fun watching. It was great seeing all my friends on screen. Maybe Lou will call me back. <laughs> <laughs> always new. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.